One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It's back! The John Coon Podcast. That's holding a lot of vowels right there. The John Coon Podcast is back because John Coon... The icon, the folk hero, the Pro Bowl fullback, and the jerk is back. You're a jerk, man. Why am I a jerk? Come on. So, Why am I a so, jerk? So, so, so this, is how, this is how we're going to start. Yeah. I believe this is episode 21, although it is the first episode of the known coronavirus COVID-19 era. So you go off on a couple of trips, right? You had a trip with your buddies. You were gone on a golf trip. You know, you kind of fall out of sight, but I occasionally get a text from you because that's what friends do. And then this whole outbreak gets to be kind of a big deal, and I haven't heard from you for a few days. And then I get a text from you, and, I, and I, you, you say you're back, and I said, how are things? And you tell me that you've got a fever, and you haven't been feeling well, but... You're waiting to go in. You're going to see if it subsides. You don't have any of the other symptoms. And then, so I, being the concerned guy that I am, you're playing on my sensitivities. Oh, my gosh. I hope he's okay. I, I, I text you back all concerned, and all you're doing was busting my balls. And then you tell me that I wouldn't have been able to fit in in the locker room because I can't take it. You're a jerk. I, I mean, that's partly true, but it's not 100% true. I will say this. You are you are an emotional cat, man. You are sensitive. <laughs> Germaphobe, sensitive. There's a whole lot that goes along with you, and, and it's great. It makes you a great person. It makes you a great friend. Let me say that first and foremost. You are a great friend, and, uh, and I really appreciate you caring about my well-being. But I just figured with, uh, with the timing of me texting you, letting you know I'm coming back, everything's all good, and then and I couldn't help it. You left the door wide open. You said, man, how are you doing? I hope everything's going well. People were really concerned when I was on vacation. Let me state this uh, before we start. I went on vacation before the whole outbreak and before, you know, all the rules and the social distancing and all the different uh, things that we learned since ha- uh, we should be doing. So imagine doing all of this on vacation feeling completely normal the whole time. And all you're getting every single day is concerned texts from friends and family at home. Are you all right? Is everything okay? Oh, we're praying for you. And I'm just like, I got to get to my return flight and get home because these people are freaking me out right now. So um, I, I appreciate that. And my favorite line from your texts to me because of this was, there's a reason you're a journalist and not an athlete. Locker room chatter would would have killed you. And you're right. It would have. Anytime you guys, you know, when the quarterback messes with me or whatever, I, I would not have stood a chance, which is a good thing that I'm only in there for about 45 minutes a week with you <laughs> and with the players. But I will say this. I, I'm curious what it was like for you as this was starting to ramp up a little bit because you're right. When you left... Yes, we knew that there were issues overseas, but Italy had not become the place that it is now with all the issues that and all the deaths and cases of COVID-19 that it has. So it was a, it was a different 
place when you left versus when you came back. So what was that? Like, what was it like traveling back? Were you hoping nobody sat next to you on the plane? Like, what? take us through that. Well, so like I said, I had about three weeks worth of vacations scheduled with a couple days here and there where I flew back to Wisconsin um, to grab my family to fly back down to Florida to do those things. And the wild thing was, when we got back from our first little week trip, um, this is when it all started to break off. And so I'm on my first flight down to Florida just thinking, all right, we just don't need to catch this thing that, that is coming to the U.S. right now. So I'm wiping everything down as soon as I get on the plane. My wife has me because I'm traveling with my kids. If I'd have been traveling by myself, it would have been just a whole keep to yourself, don't worry about a whole bunch when you get off the plane, wash your hands trick. But no, when you're traveling with kids, you are wiping down the windows. You're wiping down the, the air blower on top. You're wiping down the tray tables. You're wiping down the armrests. You are wiping down everything. I wiped so much stuff down, I don't even, I can't even tell you how I felt like Jason Wildey, full germaphobe <laughs> as I'm doing this. It was it was outrageous how cleanly or how clean I was and the and 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 the amount of cleanliness that we had throughout this whole vacation. So it was it, it was it was something different. I, I, I started thinking to myself after a while, is this going to be the new norm? And I wouldn't mind if it was, but I will say this I never thought before um, just walking through a line and giving them your their your credit card and them giving you your credit card back um, and them bagging something for you and putting it in a bag, then you actually thinking in your head, is there something on the thing that I just purchased? Did you know? Are there germs on there from their hands? Is my credit card that I just took from them does that have germs on it? I mean, we are in a state of really high precaution right now, and I. I'm I'm wondering, is it going to stay like this post-coronavirus? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And your old buddy, Mark Tauscher, who I do a program with each day, um, believes that the handshake is dead. There will be no handshakes on the other side of the coronavirus outbreak. Are you in that camp? Are you done shaking hands with people? Because you're a you're a gripper, man. You are well, a firm handshake guy, and that's I've always thought that's one of the ways you get a feel for what kind of person you're dealing with. Yeah, well, let me tell you. Uh, so the, the weird thing about the handshake is you're going to find out a lot about people. So just before I even go that way, I want to say, so I've been home now. I've taken a couple walks. We are very well quarantined in northeast Wisconsin. We are on lots where people are not near each other. We're not within the six to 12 feet breaking the zone of social distancing. We naturally live on uh, away from one another, distanced from one another. So we take walks in Northeast Wisconsin and on our walks, we see other people taking walks. And it's the craziest thing now to see somebody from about a hundred yards away and you're walking on the same side of the street, walking towards each other. <laughs> Where do you think you hit on that football field before you separate and one of you crosses the street? I would say I've gotten no closer than 30 yards to anybody before they have crossed the street. That says a lot. That says a lot about where we're at right now, our climate, our, our thought process behind this thing. Now, I will go a step further and say, in the past, uh, I, I might have been out with my wife and 
we've seen some people and and it's the old do i handshake or do i hug them you know that question is is the weirdest question i would say hugs are completely gone for a while that that's something i don't know if the handshake is yet because think about this there were you know and sometimes somebody comes up and they open their arms to give you a hug and you're like oh i didn't know we were on i didn't know we were on the hug level but but you say (laughs) okay and you accept and you give them a hug even though it's probably not somebody you'd have given a hug to I think that's where we're going with the handshakes. I think handshakes are going to be there where it's, all right, is this somebody I trust enough or feel comfortable enough to give a handshake to? And if not, do you still reach your hand out and grab that hand, grip it up, shake it? Or do you openly just accept the fact of saying, I'm sorry, I no longer handshake? Because that's going to be a tough threshold to break over, admitting you're a person who no longer shakes. Yeah, I'm a, and, and as you know, I'm a hugger by nature. Uh, so this has been an adjustment for me in that way. And <laughs> You're I a believe... hugger. Who do you hug, Jason? <laughs> I want to know who you hug. Uh, I hug lots of people. I'm, you're on the oh, Huggalo program. I just I'm on, I don't, I don't do it because I saw program? you regularly. Sure. Oh, okay. But I haven't seen oh, you in okay. a long time. The thing is, I would see you in the locker room on a regular basis in your role for Packers.com, which then leads me to my other question about John Kuhn's post-COVID-19 life. What's your quarantine level, et cetera? Because my life has not, and I've taken a lot of grief for this, but my life hasn't really changed. Now, normally we would do this podcast in person. We would meet at Lambeau Field. And oh yeah, that well, 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 well. Somebody, somebody was quick to let the other person know that wasn't happening. I mean, I don't know if I'm hoping. Well, the building's it's just closed because I, I. Well, no, I, I just. But you. But how many times have I done a show or a podcast from your basement? Yeah, a few, several. Yeah, uh, Paula put the kibosh on that. No one in. We're yeah, not allowing you, anyone so in the but, house. But but what's I, I'm the guy who's brought coffee. I brought donuts. I brought snacks. I brought things over to the Wildy. Uh, household. Yeah, we don't want you bringing COVID-19 over. (laughs) I thought for sure, (laughs) I thought for sure, you know, those, those gifts that I've brought has gotten us closer than the whole, oh, no, he's, he's annexed from uh, during this, during the scare. So I get it. That's, that's a Paula call. That's, that's not, I would have let you come over. Uh, The cats miss you. They always enjoy your company. But from, from my perspective, you know, it's the off season. So if I'm writing a story, I'm writing it from home anyway. If I'm doing the show or doing this podcast is different, but when I do the show with Tausch, I'm always at home anyway. So for me, most of my life remains largely the same with the exception of the kids being home from school and them not having their sporting activities. How different is your existence now that you're back home and into the regular routine of your regular life? Well, it's a lot different because I don't know where my regular life is going to be in a couple months. I was busy negotiating uh, my sideline and my digital work with the Packers before this whole thing went down. Now the Packers are, for all intents and purposes, on shutdown. They're on hiatus. Nobody goes in. Um, so, so that's, that's been put on hold. Um, some of my other off the field, I'll call it, even though I'm not technically playing on the field, I'm just reporting from the field. Some of my other off the field things have also been, uh, put kind of on temporary hold. So 
as this temporary hold hits people like we've seen with Rob Domofsky on the golf course, God forbid they can't just, and I love golfing, but they can't golf for a few weeks. But uh, as it puts the temporary hold on that, it put a, it put a temporary hold on, on my everyday uh, career. So, so I'm, um, I'm, I'm waiting for this to, to kind of break up a little bit so I can get back and, and really try and start getting to work. Luckily for us, we were able to put this app together so we could, we could try and throw another podcast together. Cause it's been, it's been far too long. There has been clamoring on social media about it. And, and look, we all understand you did very well. You had a great NFL career. You were smart with your money. So you're, in a good spot. There's a lot of people that are losing their jobs and don't have any fallback. So we're not we're not suggesting that you and I have it tough at all. We're we're doing okay, but it is a life change. There's just this limbo for everyone and it's varying degrees of uncertainty and worry and concern and it's just a strange place and I think the biggest problem because I want to get back to you mentioning the Packers shutting things down and how that affects actual football, which we do talk about on this podcast a lot. But when when you look at the way we're in limbo, to me the biggest challenge is that there's no end date. Like the president obviously made the comment about wanting to be back to normal by Easter. I don't know if that's realistic. It doesn't sound like his medical experts are on uh, that same timeline. We know that the shelter-in-place order in Wisconsin goes through at least April 24th, and then they're going to revisit it, and hopefully we can resume some Which, semblance how, of our normal how does life. That, how does that work, Jason, if around Easter the president says, you know, in, in certain areas we'd like you to stay quarantined. New York City, for example, it's just a bubble of people living on top of other people. Um, and some of these other areas that have had these large clusters of outbreaks, we'd like you to stay quarantine for a little bit while but the rest of you that 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 have not had these big outbreaks you you can feel you feel the security to go out and resume uh your life as you see fit if you are high risk you should still say if that comes out but 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 april 24th is the wisconsin date that you can actually uh get out and about what where do you how do we fit in there because that's that's almost one message and, and and another message well, my hope would be that the president would be basing, let's say that did happen around Easter, which is a couple of weeks away. So I think Easter is what, April 12th? Um, yeah. My hope would be that if we really were in that position and, you know, my I'm a big Dr. Fauci fan, um, if the medical and the science experts tell us that we could do that, then I would hope that governors would say, hey, look, this is based on science. And you can resume to whatever degree you feel comfortable. Uh, resume your daily life. We're gonna st- like I would like to see them keep a couple of safeguards in place, like limiting the capacity of certain establishments. Right, like Jason, you'd have I done still- that. You 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 would have asked for that without the coronavirus. Well, that's true. I don't like people that much, um, or at least I don't like crowded places. But but I I would love for there to be hey, you know what, we did a great job of this, and in the last two weeks, we have really reduced the threat and flattened the curve. We keep hearing that phrase. And you, can, you can't go back to your completely normal life, but here are the ways that you can res- resume normalcy. I hope that that's the case, because I don't want to shelter in place through the entire month of April. Like, 
I got a message from Brad Lane, our director of content. Hey, what's your plan for the draft if you're not able to go to Lambeau? And frankly, I hadn't thought about that. That's still a month away. But, you know, the NFL has decided to go forward with the draft. Even though they're kicking GMs and scouts out of their building, every team has had to shutter their operation and send their scouts and GMs home to work remotely on preparing for the draft. And guys can't come in for visits and physicals, and there are no pro days. So I don't know. I don't know what the draft is going to look like, especially if the NFL keeps it at the time that it is scheduled for, because right now, as you mentioned earlier, Lambeau Field's a ghost town, man. Now they've even kept Mm -hmm. the scouts and the GM out. And that, to me, tells you that the NFL, while they're not moving the date of the actual draft, at least as of yet, John, that says something to me, that they don't even want Goody and his guys sitting around a table talking about what wide receivers they like best. Yeah, and and that makes it extremely difficult because then you're talking about by the discretion of each team. Because are these scouts and GMs, are they regularly doing FaceTime uh, throughout the course of the day? Did they just transfer their their meeting rooms to somebody's basement? Um, And this is league-wide. So obviously you can can understand in Green Bay, this is less of an issue to navigate for our GM and scouts as what it would be in San Francisco, where these guys, where there has been an outbreak and traffic is much worse and, and people are more spaced out. Here in Green Bay, it'd be a lot easier for the GM and the scouts to still get together and talk about um, who they want to draft and kind of set their board. Um, it, does, it does make an interesting dynamic for actual draft day scenarios because I, I talked to a few scouts in the past year or two that had said, um, they had felt that the rest of the league um, had really worked their way towards what Green Bay was able to do for the longest time, and it was draft and developed. And And the reason they were able to do that is because the Packers had worked so hard on the front end um, of, of having a full book of what these guys would look like coming into the draft that, that they were very well prepared. So when the draft took place over two days – they were bang. They would take. They would remove a guy from the board, but they have a very clear picture of what the rest of their board would look like. Well, as this draft has been set over three nights now, each round's a little bit longer than what it used to be in the past. These guys have more time to adjust and call audibles in the draft room and be able to really figure out where they're at. So, so these draft, they, they've been able to kind of. Uh, I bridge the gap from where the Packers used to be to where these other teams are. They're drafting better, they're picking up better. And because of that, their their unrestricted free agents are even a lot better too because their their board's just that much better with this long spaced out period. But is it going are, are they all going to be able to be uh, and and shoot from all cylinders like they have been? with this draft the way that it might be? Could you imagine a GM from his basement? having to FaceTime with the head coach and say, hey, I think I'm going to take this guy. All right, call New York now. Man, I'm getting a busy signal because I don't have a direct line. It, it would be it, it would be some sort of chaos that, that they're going to have to try and navigate and work around because the draft is not that much further than what the, uh, the stay in place is. So that's from the, the, the team side. I'm curious to, from the player side 
Now, you as a guy who had a scratch and claw and maybe be slightly dishonest to get his opportunity in the NFL, um, you're, you're one of the success stories. You overcame the odds. In a lot of cases, though, Look, there are guys, you know, I always use as one of your one of the examples, TJ Lang, one of your buddies, played with him a long time, didn't get invited to the combine. Mm-hmm. Still got drafted in the fourth round. Now, his film is obviously part of that, but his pro day was probably pretty important. Now, yep. no pro days. At least not after I think Wisconsin was one of the last ones to get theirs in before this coronavirus hit. Uh, yeah, the no... month of March is a huge month for pro days. There's a ton in March. So I, I can only, and, and in fact, a lot of them go through the first week of April. So there's a lot of pro days being missed right now. So you take those out of the equation. Then you take the visits that players are able to take two teams. Each team gets 30 of those visits where they can bring a prospect in. Packers have used those uh, on a lot of guys, they've ended up drafting both late and, frankly, early in drafts. So now you're taking that out of the equation. How much does it hurt players? We know it's going to hurt the evaluation, and maybe it'll force teams to rely more on film and left uh, less on measurables. But how much do you think it hurts guys? You know that, and and it can hurt them at uh, at any end of the spectrum, right? A first round pick who may have moved up from being the 25th pick to being the 10th pick doesn't get that opportunity but then guys that are borderline draftable that maybe could have had a really good pro day and suddenly they're a fifth or sixth round pick that they're not going to have that opportunity either how much does this hurt players you think um i i definitely think it hurts them coming out now you correct me if i'm wrong jason but even during the lockout of 11 Teams were still allowed to go to guys' pro days. They yeah. were still allowed. They were they were still allowed to have interviews with them. They were still allowed, so so. This is unprecedented territory. This is literally going back to like the '60s when they used to call guys on the way to an all-star game and say, "Hey, you've just been drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go ahead and get back on that bus. We don't want you playing in that all-star game." Like this is what it's going back to. Um, no. There, there, other than the guys that worked out at the combine and a few guys that got their pro days in, it, there's not going to be a whole lot to judge these players off of post uh, college career. So it's going to be, it's going to go a lot back on the tape. I think you're going to, I think that's going to lead you to probably see a lot more guys um, be unrestricted free agents where they could have been draft picks from smaller schools. Uh, i.e. the guys from Division Two, one double A, stuff like that, guys that, if given the opportunity at a pro day or something like that, would have shaken the scouts enough to say, all right, we need to draft him in the sixth or seventh round. Now they might be hidden enough that scouts say, all right, nobody else is going to draft him. We'll just pick them up on restricted free agent. But most, if not all, of these players still have a pulse in the the league-wide scouting uh, community. These guys do know about them. It, it, you'd be amazed to see... What these scouts do, we have scouts that are already scouting the draft class of 2023. So the moment this is done, they're going to start scouting the guys for 2023. Because once this draft is done, the the, the current year's scouts will be on the 20, or I'm sorry, 2022. The current year's scouts will be on the 2021. And then the year, they're scouts scouting two years ahead for these guys. So they know where they are. It just might affect where they fall. 
So a lot of things have happened in the NFL since you went on your vacations, uh, not just COVID-19 taking control of the country, but a lot happening in the NFL. Let's start with the CBA. And obviously, we talked a lot about that the last time we were together on the podcast. It ends up passing uh, by, I believe, 60 votes. So it was hardly a clear-cut uh majority that were in favor of this. I know some have talked about the lessened benefits for former players. I saw your former teammate, Tremont Williams, point out that we're all going to be former players at some point. Um, What did you think about the way the CBA played out? The fact that there were so many uh, no votes, including but not limited to the Packers quarterback, your old buddy Aaron Rodgers and both the pros and the cons of this deal getting done. Look, this, this, is, this is democracy uh, at, at its finest right here. This is how it works. Um, and there are going to be things in there that, that players, including myself, former players, acknowledge is, is not the best. And, and they probably could have done better in that, in that spot. It's no different than the stimulus package right now uh, when people might wonder, well, why is that in the bill? Like there, it's just the way it goes down. In order to get enough votes to pass these things, um, there, there's a give and there's a take. Now, yes, I would have loved to have seen post-career insurance up to 10 years. I would have loved to have seen um, the, the, the salary split at 50-50. I would have loved to have seen all these things. But I, I do think as the majority of the league looked at it and saw the way that they can benefit within the next two, three, four years for themselves. And I'm talking the majority of the league because the majority of the league does play on a minimum salary. And I think these guys saw the way that they can, that this can help them and their families early on initially right away. And, and, and the lasting impact that that could have going forward in this CBA at some point in time, the minimal salary in the NFL will be $1 million. Just think about that for a second. The minimum salary will be $1 million at some point in time. That is that is amazing. And that is one thing that needs to be applauded um, nonstop for, for these players, the fact that they were able to get that to happen. Now, it didn't come without disagreeing. It didn't come without no votes. It didn't come uh, without without a lot of you know, emotions. And, and, and frankly, that's, that's great. That's what you want to see. You want to see players um, paying attention. You want to see players having an opinion. You want to see players caring about not just what's for them at this point in time, but what's, but what's coming down the line. But I think what you eventually saw, and you saw this also with the new NFLPA president um, in um, JC Treader, you saw, you saw a league where, where guys said, okay, we, we're going to start working now to, to try and bridge this gap um, between the top players in the NFL and, and the bottom of the league. And we're going to try and do this through, through years um, of service, and we're going to try and do this through minimum salaries. And I think that's exactly what the CBA did. So I'm in favor, obviously, of improving the salaries for these guys that are not guaranteed. And I understand most contracts aren't guaranteed to begin with. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers' chances of being on the team next year are pretty good. Whereas Chandon Sullivan or whoever else, his odds are not as good. Here's the thing, though, and and I would ask you this, having been a player rep yourself. They did have the one big thing. 
right? They wanted a, the owners wanted a 17th game. Yep. Do you think that because you have to compromise to get things done, and not everyone's going to like everything? I totally understand that. They did have that one big thing, as Scott Van Pelt likes to say, that the owners wanted. Did they max out what they could get for it? Do you think? Because that I, I I got the impression that the no votes were largely centered, not all of them, but many of them were centered on, look, these owners really want that 17th game. We need to get everything we can from them. And I think the feeling on that side of the aisle was we didn't max out what we got in return for agreeing to another game. Well, I'll say this. So once again, I'll say the majority. So the 56 votes on top of whatever the no's were, whatever that number was, 1,029 or something to that nature, um, those votes, I believe, did. Uh, the, the guys playing on the bottom end of, of the salary cap, the guys um, with less years in the league, because those are guys that would welcome a 17th game if it meant a 17th paycheck. And that's all it comes down to. There are a lot of guys around this league that are not worried about a 17th game because they want to play football as much as they can and they want to make as much money as they can and if they are getting paid for that 17th game even on a a minimum wage because there's a lot of guys this minimum wage means everything to them because that's all they're going to get right and now they're going to now they're going to get another check of that so they're perfectly fine or perfectly happy now the stars the stars know they are the haves in this league they are the haves of the nfl and they themselves they did not get enough to for them to approve a 17th game. But that's why you saw the vote as close as this did, because there are enough guys that believe their salary is going to be improved enough for them to say, heck with the 17th game, I'm playing football, I love football. And then you see a bunch of guys that say, you know what, that's not enough. So I, I would say it, it kind of falls the way that the vote fell. There are a lot of haves in this league that if they'd have held out and they'd have stayed true, I'm sure they could have gotten more. Now, Let's also not dismiss the timing of this whole thing with the coronavirus, the stock market tanking. They got to negotiate yeah. TV deals this year with the stock market dropping 35 some percent. Are the TV deals affected? How's the NFL going to respond to that? I believe that played a part in it, too. So with that being said, I think the players at least mitigated a lot of loss that it could have occurred this year had they not signed the CBA. And they did the smart thing looking at the, the climate of our economy and, and just everything in our nation. One last thing about the CBA. Uh, you were a minimum salary guy, and then toward the end of your career, you kept signing one-year deals. Uh, yeah. I'm curious how effectively, because for some guys, it's, it's two years, it's three years. It's four years, right? The average career is, what, three and a half years in the NFL? Mm -hmm. Um, How effectively can you bank if you're smart and you know that you're a fringe guy who's probably not going to get to 10 years? Hey, if you do, great. And you got beyond a decade. But how, how effectively with being able to be fed at the stadium, right, with training table or the cafeteria, with... Uh, being able to wear, you can probably wear some of your gear, right? Can you, can you minimize, how much can you minimize your expenses when you're a player? You get a crappy apartment in Green Bay. Um, how much can you minimize your expenses so you can squirrel as much of your actual NFL pay away so you can have as much of that for whenever the dream finally ends for you? Boy, I... 
I've seen some brilliant guys at this, some really brilliant guys, and uh, and and they can, and they can. Now, the easiest way is to be a single bachelor well into your career, well through your career, and just live like a college single bachelor. Just rent out a tiny apartment and don't spend, I mean, because you're getting three squares a day at the stadium. A lot of times you can take to-go meals. They'll have supplements there for you. They got the gym there for you. You can do everything there that you want to do. You, you can you can save quite a bit of money if you want to in the NFL. I'll also say this. There's, there are a lot of guys, a lot more than, than you probably even realize at first thought. I'll just give out a couple of names of guys that just continue um, to, to eke out years in the National Football League. Guys like Alan Barber, who started in Green Bay in 07. He worked his way up to 10, 11, 12 years. Um, right now, I just saw a buddy of mine, Chris Banjo, um, played with him in, in Green Bay, then played with him again at the Saints. He just right. re-signed at the Cardinals. I sent him a great text just saying, hey, Chris, I want to tell you, I'm proud of you, man. Another year, way to go. You just keep your head down doing what you're doing because he's a great guy. You just keep your head down doing what you're doing. You'll wake up one day, 13 years in this league, thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm the old head in the room. Now I need to lead by example. It's just there are so many guys that are able to do that, and that's why I believe the CBA – did get signed the way that it did because there really are that many guys who live that reality of one year at a time and what's the best way for me to maximize one year at a time. Chris Banjo, uh, he looked like Seal, right, the singer? Yeah. Right? I'm not crazy. Yeah. He did look no, like no, no. Seal. No, no, he, he he definitely did. Now a jacked up seal, like a like a super oh, yeah. jacked up, five point five percent body fat, um, bat wings, could jump out of the room. Yeah, it, a jacked up seal, but but he had a little bit of seal on it. But it's just because you know he had that silky smooth, uh, clean bald head on. I mean, that's all it really came down to. I uh, I never heard him in the locker room singing uh, "Kiss from the Rose," but nevertheless, um, all right. So lots of movement in free agency. You want to start with who comes, or do you want to start with who goes in Green Bay? Uh, it surprised me. Well, let's start. I'm not going to surprise you because you, you you're gonna you would have known that I was going to ask about him at some point. Your old buddy Brian Bulaga, one of your teammates on yep. the Super Bowl 45 team, he moves mm-hmm. on. Uh, 31 years old, gets a three-year, 30 million dollar deal, 19 plus million guaranteed to go to Los Angeles Chargers where he is reunited and it feels so good with James Campen, the former offensive <laughs> line coach. Um, I assume that you, because uh, Brian knew, but I assume you had a feeling that he was not going to be back in a Packers uniform, but what a great 10-year career he had with the Packers, and obviously he's a good friend and teammate of yours. Um, it's going to be strange seeing him in another uniform. Yeah, I actually saw him several days before the free agency happened. I, he, he was one of the visits that I had when I was on my little 20-day escapade in Florida. I stopped by and, and golfed his golf course with him, picked his brain. This was a day before the CBA got done. Picked his brain on the CBA, what he thought about that and what he thought about free agency. And he did uh, acknowledge that it was a very slim hope to come back to Green Bay, albeit that's where he would have rather finished. But he recognized the deal, the business. He's going into his 11th year. It's to, you know he wants to make that last uh, big payday before he retires and him and his family uh, ride off in the sunset. 
Um, I was surprised to see L.A. until I realized that's where uh, Coach Campen was now. Then it made perfect sense to me. Um, the one thing I thought Green Bay had in their back pocket that w- might have been unsure for other teams was the way that Coach LaFleur took care of Brian last year during the season. Brian did not practice much during training camp, did not have to have a lot of padded practices during the season. A lot of vet recovery days for him, which turned out to be spectacular for the way that he played last year. It definitely um, was part of the reason why he was a lot more available last year and a part of the reason why his play was so well. So I, I thought the Packers had that. Obviously, with uh, Coach Camp and being out there in L.A., mimic some form of that uh, vet take care scenario for Brian out there. Um, I couldn't be happier for him. Great guy. I've been with him his entire career since he came in in 10. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. He's going to be out on the West Coast now. It's going to be a lot different life for that that guy who grew up in Iowa and now uh, lives in more the rural side of Florida. So what is that like as a player? Because you went through it too. You wanted... You surely wanted to stay with the Packers, and the opportunity wasn't there. You knew you still had football left in you. I know you cherished your two years with the Saints, and that that meant a lot to you. And you became, you know, you made good friends. And I know Brian was saying this week that, hey, it, I'm not going to forget my friends in Green Bay, but I am going to build new relationships that I wouldn't have otherwise. What is that like to to want to stay? And it just doesn't work out. And then you have to kind of reset and say, you know what? Great opportunity for something different and a new adventure. What was that like for you? Because I'm sure that's what he is now going to go through. Jason, I'm glad you asked that because honestly, um, it's one of the more memorable moments of my life. The transition from living and playing in Green Bay to still living in Green Bay but playing in New Orleans. And, and, and it's one of the most rewarding times of my life as well. Uh, I spent a decade in Green Bay to the point where when the Saints wanted to sign me, I was fishing in Door County. And I can remember driving back that night to pack my bags to get on a plane out of Green Bay and talking to Lindsay on the ride because I wasn't sure how much time we get to talk and, and even saying to her, are we sure this is what we want to do? Do we really want to go to New Orleans? I, I mean, I, I had heard some stories from New Orleans some good, so not so good. And I was just nervous because I just did not know a whole lot about the city other than for the games that I'd been there to play. And I didn't know much about the organization. So I was very reluctant. And I thought to myself, maybe if I didn't accept this, maybe if I didn't do it, that there would still be a chance to come back to the Packers. And even the Packers kind of relayed that to me, but they also wished me well if I chose to go on to New Orleans. So my wife, being um, the, the, the great better half that she is, said, let's go do this and, and let's just see where it is. It's, it, you know, right. We'll do this for a year and see what happens. And I'm telling you, I, when, I, when I got to the Greenbrier in West Virginia for training camp with the Saints, uh, it was a whole new playbook. It was a whole new quarterback, a whole new cadence a whole new coach, the way they did practices, the way they did training camp, everything was completely different. It was a flashback to my rookie year. And I said, how blessed am I to have a second opportunity at being a rookie to see if I can do this all over again at the age of 33, something that I did 10 years, 11 years before. Let's, let's, I, I made it a new challenge. Can I do this? And what 
can I achieve and what am I able to do with this now? And it was one of the most rewarding things I ever got to be able to do that, tackle that, challenge that. And I was not the same athlete then that I was early in my career. I, I, I noticed that. Um, but, but some of the other things that I was able to do, some of the other players that I was able to meet, um, some of the different coaching styles and philosophies that they had down there that I had not seen because I had spent 10 years underneath one tree and one way of doing things. It was, it was very eye-opening. It was very all-encompassing. And boy, I, I'll tell you, I, my wife and I still talk uh, about our time in New Orleans and, and how much we just treasure that time. So I know this guy wasn't a teammate of yours. I know your paths crossed a few times. But do you think that that's what Tom Brady is experiencing now with deciding after two decades to leave New England and go to Tampa Bay? Absolutely, Jason. Absolutely. Because he is now saying to himself, um, he, he's taken on a new challenge. It's what can I do down here? And let me tell you, he's got some athletes around him. He's got a pretty talented defense, and he's got some targets on the outside that he can throw to. So it, this is no longer the whole Tom Brady doesn't have weapons on offense trick. This is going to be what can Tom Brady do at 43 years old trick, and can he really make it to 45? Um, I, I believe that's why he decided to do this, along with the, the, the nice weather and the no state income tax. I'm sure those all played a little bit of a part. Bruce Arians being down there, telling him he'll open up the playbook for him. He'll allow him to audible um, a very, very liberal coach in that aspect, very player friendly. So I, I see I see him being down there, taking this very much the way I did. What can I do later on in my career? How do I either A, prove people wrong or B, prove it to myself? For me, it was not, oh, I want to prove the Packers wrong. I never thought that one time. I want to prove the Packers wrong. My whole thing was I want to prove to myself that I am good enough to go to a new team, do a new offense with whole new teammates and still be successful. That was my, and, and I believe that's what Tom Brady is probably telling himself as well. Well, the Packers have a number of players that will be telling themselves that because they have had a number of guys leave, among them Blake Martinez, who after four years of playing just about every down and leading the team in tackles now moves on to the New York Giants. Kyler Fackrell also ended up with the New York Giants after you know, kind of being phased out last season with the arrival of the Smiths. Um, you know, those guys, they weren't as established as a Brian Bulaga who spent a decade, but four years is still a long time in one place, and it would appear that the Packers are going to try and figure out a different way to go at inside linebacker uh, moving on from both Blake Martinez and B.J. Goodson, signing Christian Kirksey. Is that going to be one of the areas, when we do get back to football, that will intrigue you the most as you observe it and how it develops? Very much so. Now, I, I do know Christian Kirksey very well. I played against him a few times. Um, and, and I'll say this. With the exchanges, and I'm calling them the exchanges, with the exchanges of inside linebacker for inside linebacker, like we did, um, BJ and Blake for Christian Kirksey, and the exchange of Rick Wagner for Brian Balaga, what we were able to do is we were able to save money. So we still have money to do some other things with, like you've just seen um, with the wide receiver that had just come in. So, so we saved ourselves some money, and what we may have lost in athletic ability from Brian to Rick Wagner, I think we gained in athletic ability from Blake Martinez to Christian Kirksey. Um, I think the upside um, for for Christian is a lot higher uh, if he can stay healthy. Uh, 
I, I like the move. I like the idea and the mindset of of Goody here. You cannot go out every year and just blow open the bank. There are times you'll have to be frugal and get um, some good bang for your buck. And I think he did just that here with these two guys. Remember, at one point in time, Rick Wagner, when he was coming out of Baltimore, was seen as the best right tackle in the NFL. So this is a guy that at one point in time had very high regards about people before he went to Detroit. And sometimes Detroit right. just makes people sound and look worse <laughs> than what they are. Uh, I do believe that you have a few former teammates who would agree with that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will. I would be curious, though, about your thoughts on Devin Funchess, the wide receiver that they've added. I, I, Goody made no, no secret about it that they need to upgrade at wide receiver, that they needed to add more options there. Obviously, Alan Lazard came on strong last year, but beyond that, there were some disappointments in the mix. Devin Funchess has had some success in the NFL, probably oh, yeah. not as much success as you would have expected from a second-round pick out of Michigan, but he had a huge 2017. Again, like Kirksey, who only played two games last year, Funchess only played one and broke his collarbone. Yeah, that's how you get a bargain player, though, isn't that's, it, John? Because it, it, that's it what absolutely happens. is. It absolutely is, Jason. And Funchess, uh, I'm really excited about this one. Really excited. And I'll tell you why. You just mentioned his semi breakout year in '17. Well, I played against him twice in '17. We were in the same division, actually three times because we played him in the playoffs. He. He is a different kind of wide receiver than what the Packers have right now. He is he's he's Alan Lazard, but a little bit faster. He's bigger. He's faster. Um, he's credited for drops. That's kind of his knack. I, I, I would say with Aaron Rodgers throwing to him, and this is I'm not taking a shot at Cam Newton, but it's a different kind of ball that he's going to be catching from Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton. I think this is a huge weapon for Aaron. I also think this last year he kind of got. A, a little bit beat up on the free agent market. I think he signed a one-year, uh, what was it, $8 million deal um, with Indianapolis there, and, and he got hurt. It was more of a play-in deal because he wasn't that right. big number one down in Carolina, so he needed to prove himself last year. Well, he broke his clavicle. So now he has a second year to prove himself at a much lower rate than what he probably should be getting. I would expect this guy to be driven to be hungry, and to get the best that he can. Because really, this is probably his last shot to go out there on a one-year deal and prove himself and really show what he's got um, for, for organizations around the league. And who better to do that with than a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers? There, with Devontae Adams on the opposite side of him, there could be big things uh, in the future for this guy. Now, I still think the Packers draft a wide receiver. I still think it'll be a crowded um, roster come training camp, just like it seems to be every year for the Packers at the wide receiver position. So before we wrap things up, anything else that happened in free agency or league-wide that jumped out at you? Obviously the Packers uh, losing a guy from your former position as – uh, Danny Vitale departs for the New England Patriots. Anything else that struck you as you kind of watched from afar while you were avoiding the virus and trying to get home? You know, not really. As I, as I got uh, later in my career in the NFL, I, I, I got to the position of, hey, you know, just, just expect the unexpected when free agency rolls around. It's going to be a turnover on the NFL of about 
25 to 33% on every single team. And with that, there's going to be some big names that are on the move as well. I, I think it's, I, I just, I enjoy this time of year because you, you almost can't keep up. You almost hit August and you're like, man, I forgot he was with that team. And right. It's, right. it's 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 an adjustment period. I cannot wait for the first time that Tom Brady takes the field with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's 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 to me a, a really intriguing um, side note here to to being a Packer fan is we get to see him again. We get to see Rodgers versus Brady again when we thought a couple years ago that that might be the last time they get to play. So um, just a little added bonus for the Packers schedule when that uh, finally does come out, if it ever does come out. So uh, now that you've got this app that allows you to do the podcast from wherever you want, are we going to continue to do this, or am I going to get a text next week saying you want to do another podcast? What's your plan? Oh yeah, you're going to get. We're, we're going to. Hey, I got to get the reps in, Jason. I told you. <laughs> I, I told you. You're working. You're the work from home guy. You're. You're actually. You're comfortable in your spot because you quarantine yourself, anyways. <laughs> so me, I, I need to get. To, let me ask you. Do you? Are, so. Is this just business or do you have nothing different in your everyday life other than your kids and your wife are at home the rest all the time that you are? That's really it. Like, you know, I'm like you. I've seen you at soccer practice. You made fun of me for what I was wearing. Like, I miss that. Uh, Anybody would make fun of you for what you were wearing. No, that's fair. But what I'm getting at is, are you a hobby guy? Are you doing hobbies? Nope. Are are you doing crosswords? Are you trying to get caught up on your Netflix queue? Puzzles. Nope. Okay. Nope. Good. Because None of that. Like, it's just nothing's changed. I I, And I deserve to be made fun of it. I'm okay with that. I've taken the (laughs) trade-off of... The girls not having their activities, which I love. You know, I love going to basketball practice. I love going to soccer practice and just watching them. That brings me a ton of joy. So I do miss that. But now, you know, Sydney just ran past. Normally she'd be getting picked up at school right now. Instead, she's down in the basement listening to half of her favorite podcast as we do it here. So I'm not, I I have not experienced other than basically only going to festival foods. I, I, I do like to go places, and I haven't been able to do that. But even then, we've gotten takeout from some of our favorite restaurants, Rustique Pizzeria. And so my life, I, I've been living a quarantined life for most of, most of my life. So it really hasn't changed much. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear. The only thing that truly bothers me um, with, with, with quarantining is the go-getters, the people that are like, all right, well, now I have an extra eight, nine hours in a day. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to remodel the bathroom. And you know what that leads to? Uh, Some sort of social media post and me trying to figure out how I have to remodel the bathroom now. So thank you for all you go-getters out there. Well, you remodeled your beer fridge and it got a lot of love on social media. It even made uh, the PackersNews.com website with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and the Green Bay Press Gazette. Slow news time with uh, with quarantining, but hey, you got that that refrigerator of yours got a lot of run. With no basketball, no NHL, uh, no spring training. I mean, what are you going to say, Jason? This is what we do up here in Wisconsin. If you don't have the Bucks, if you don't have the Brewers. And the Packers, I guess three free agent moves, that's enough for a week. But it's a slow time. They need to talk about something. The next favorite thing for them is beer. Well, go have yourself a cold one, and we'll do it again next week. It is back the 21st, we think, episode 
of the John Coon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.